The Interactive Learning Pavilion, or ILP, is the first new classroom building to be built in 50 years. With a capacity of 2,000 students, the new building houses five lecture halls and 20 classrooms, each with the new and modern interior, unlike UCSB's current buildings. Because of the very modern and complex architecture, we were intrigued to figure out how much this building costs to make. We asked students what they thought. I'm guessing a couple million. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like around 10 million. Turns out, the budget was approved by Regents at $97 million, with the campus contributing $17.3 million. To learn more about the building, KCSB's Jennifer Yoshikoshi spoke to the architects of the ILP. Stephen Van Dyke and Jennifer Miller tell us their inspirations for the design and what the process was like. Hi there, I'm Stephen Van Dyke. I'm a partner with Element Architects here in Seattle, Washington. And um, I helped to lead the team um, through the design process uh, here with my colleague, Jennifer Miller. Hi, I'm Jennifer Miller and with Element. I'm a principal here and was the project designer for, for the um, Interactive Learning Pavilion project. Great. Well, it's nice to meet everyone. How long did it take for the designs to be discussed and finalized? It was about, the, for the design and documentation piece of the project, it was roughly two years. I think we were awarded the project in October of 2018, and the project's bid um, in October, November, end of the year 2020. So it was sort of two years of, of working with the, the um, building committee to realize the design. And I wanted to ask about the inspiration behind the overall design of the building. It's a lot different than the rest of the buildings here on campus. What inspired that more modern look that you guys went for? I think, you know, we, we're fundamentally inspired by the place, by, by the campus and the setting and the natural environment of the campus. And it's, it's a really special place as everybody um, who has been to the campus and who is lucky enough to go to school there knows. And so I think that was at the, the heart of our thinking about how to organize the building. And really, I think the intent was to try to create the experience of a building that was inextricable from the experience of the campus, that when you're in the building, you feel like you're in the campus, and therefore that you're in the environment and you're exposed to uh, the beauty of the surroundings. And so I think that was central to the original idea, really, was which was trying to extend the sense of campus into the building. And then therefore vice versa, they extend the, the feeling of being in the building out into the campus. Um, one thing that's really important to know about this building is that it sits on a site um, that will one day be adjacent to an extension of Library Mall. So there's a long-term plan for the campus to extend Library Mall south from where it currently terminates right there at Pardal Mall. Um, and it will eventually one day go all the way to uh, the lagoon. And when that happens, this building will really be well connected to that sort of central pedestrian core of campus. Um, and so in that, I think it's in that frame of mind that we designed the building really for the sort of long term future of how it would fit into its place. Um, and then I think, you know, the other the other way that we saw it was that there was very much a kind of material inspiration uh in 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 the surroundings um we we felt that the building um needed to take inspiration both from the adjacent architecture um and from the natural environment and so the building has a kind of 
a use of materials, which is both referential to many of the surrounding buildings. Lots of the buildings nearby are built with concrete block um, and with stucco. Um, and so it was a it was a way of sort of reimagining those materials and similar materials that um, that would help bring the building into a dialogue with its neighbors. And so they're the outsides of the building have a kind of more taut and kind of clean appearance to them. They're they're um, made of a uh, composite concrete, high performance concrete panel. And that relates in some ways to the library and to some of the other nearby buildings, to, to bioengineering. And then the insides of the building where, they, where all of the kind of doorways and entrances to the classrooms and all that stuff are, those walls are made of, um, of, a, of a kind of concrete block, which is similar, but but different to the neighbors. So it's uh, it's a different proportion of a, of a block. It's more of a kind of a Roman brick proportion, low and flat. And the way that it is applied uh, is uh, very much inspired by some of the geology um, of the surrounding cliff sides. Um, and we were really excited about thinking about this building experience as sort of a hybrid experience of the architecture and the, the natural surroundings. Yeah. So anything else you want to add to that? Well, I think, you know, the the sort of taut exterior panel system that you were talking about was pretty um directly relates to the to the cliffs, to sort of the texture and the feel of the the cliffs. And then that softer, sort of more sculpted interior form was really sort of organic and and recalling sort of specifically the sedimentary sort of sandstone at the bottom of the cliffs. So sort of that softer piece. And I think the other thing to note is that the interior design and materiality was sort of inspired by the textures and the colors of the um, nearby Channel Island uh, painted caves. And so we we were literally sort of mapping the, the layers of color on those caves on the building. So as you're moving up through the building, the, the sort of color palette changes and shifts. Um, sort of similar to those. So we were kind of referencing, um, I think, many aspects of the, the sort of unique um, landscape. Yeah, well, it's great to hear about how some of the natural elements of Santa Barbara reflect into the building. Did you come and explore Santa Barbara's nature and walk around and take those elements and then use it in that design when you thought of everything? Yeah, we did. I mean, it, it's always exciting to work on projects around the country in different places. And Santa Barbara is one of the most unique that we've worked in in many years. And uh, we we deliberately would stay longer <laughs> than I think we needed to on every trip so that we could spend a little bit more time in the place and really get a, a great, a better understanding of, of the of the feeling of the, of the environment. And um, I, I know every morning before meetings, we would go for walks or runs just to kind of be out there and um and I was actually recently back for a site visit and once again went for a long run along the beach and it was just incredible to be able to experience that so I think it was very much a part of our mm -hmm. um of our approach to to try to immerse ourselves as much as we could mm -hmm. uh in in the place yeah we also spent a lot of time on on the site itself while we were visiting the campus and we would bring um you know suitcases of materials because the light and the quality of light and the the um on the site is just so different than it is here in Seattle so we were you know constantly holding up um 
large chunks of, of materials on the site and next to the library and, and the um, adjacent engineering building for comparison and reference. Mm -hmm. And were there any limitations with the area, the space that you were given and what you had in mind? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for every project, there's a, um, there are some significant constraints and um, it was originally the plan for this building to be located on the uh, eastern side of the site. So actually up against Science Walk. Um, and so when, when we, um, when we started to, to work on the project, um, we, we made a big effort um, together with the building committee to um, relocate where the building would go. So um, we studied a variety of different positions on the general vicinity um, and everybody concluded that it was really advantageous to kind of shift the building's potential future footprint from the east side to the west side so that it would be adjacent to the future extension of Library Mall. Okay. Um, and so that was one constraint that that we kind of worked together to, to improve. Another one, which I know is a little controversial, uh, is the, the bike path. And, and, you know, I think that something that um, that's really important to understand is that, that the, the bike culture at um, UCSB is really unique and really important and special to the place. Um, it also has this impact where it creates a kind of pedestrian core to campus. So everything that falls kind of inside of that bike loop um, is kind of within a, it sort of bounds a, a kind of cohesive pedestrian environment where generally you don't have to worry about crossing the bike path. All of us on the team multiple times almost got hit on <laughs> by bikes. <laughs> you see it every time you're there on campus. Um, and so we wanted to minimize those conflicts and we also want to make sure that this building would be within that pedestrian core of campus. And so one of the things that we did and worked with uh, really closely uh, with the building committee was to reposition the bike path, which originally went right through the middle of this site. So the bike path had to move one way or another for this building. Um, it would either need to go to the north of the building, which would be right along Cardinal Mall. Um, if it was there, that would mean that 2000 people every hour would have to cross a very busy bike path. We have a, a building which, oh, sorry, it's more than that. A building houses almost 1,800, 1,900 seats in the classrooms. So that's almost 4,000 people at class change time coming and going from the building. So one can imagine the amount of conflicts, pedestrian conflicts across that bike path. And so um, all of us together in the, the design uh, effort really thought it was important to make sure that it was a safe, place to approach from the core of campus. And so bringing it into the pedestrian core of campus meant that we needed to reroute the bike path to the south. Um, and there's there are also long-term ongoing plans for the bike system at the campus. And it's always an evolving network and an evolving system. Um, but that's another constraint that I think was really important to um, allowing the design to function well um, in the campus core. Mm -hmm. But we were also working with the building committee to try and figure out um, how to preserve some of the some portion of the the land on the site for future development as the the campus continues to grow and whether it's sort of an extension or an expansion of this building or an entirely new project. Um, you know, so we looked at some some schemes that located it right in the middle of the site. Um, and as Stephen mentioned, ultimately 
really thought it was important that it was um, uh, sort of had a key relationship along library and mall. But um, but that was another thing I think we were constantly trying to think about was preserving as much space as we could on the site to allow for future buildings. Yeah. Well, I kind of want to move into the building and ask about the classrooms. Was there any research that you did about the productivity of learning environments when you designed how the lecture halls and the classrooms were structured? You know, I think one of the goals that was established for this building with the building committee was for this new classroom building to provide spaces that encouraged collaborative education and promote um, faculty-student interactions. So every classroom, the intent was that it would be designed to facilitate active learning. Um, and we had, so at the start of the project, we had designed other active learning classrooms on, on several other campuses, and we had the opportunity to tour some of those spaces with the with the building committee. So we went to UC Irvine, for example, and so we were all able to like sit in the spaces, see them in use, and full of students, um, talk to faculty that had been using them for, for a year or so um, to get feedback. And I think this sort of paired with the campus's anticipated teaching needs and pedagogy sort of drove the technical criteria and the design for the for the classrooms. We, we were thinking both about the big picture of the campus and how you would move into the building and move through it and how it would relate to its neighbors and all the things we talked about earlier. But we're also thinking about the 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 nature of how these spaces each individually will perform and so i think it was a really deliberate move on our part to ensure that those larger classrooms that that require lots of flow people in and out of them that those would be located lower in the building and that the smaller rooms would be located uh, on the the higher floors and so that's the that's the general makeup of the building. But in order to do that and, and also incorporate things like natural light into the spaces, it was important for us to design the lecture halls in particular in such a way that we could introduce indirect natural light into the spaces, but with so as to not uh, have too many direct views into the very, very busy portions of campus. It was really seen as, as a desire to create quiet, focused spaces that were soft and welcoming, that had natural light in them, but not direct views of lots of activity, so as to kind of really encourage this, this, this sense of focus and shared experience in the classroom. And so the, the design really was driven by that concept for us. And so that's why you see things like, you know, the, the windows and the entries to, the, to those lecture halls are, are indirect. You kind of, you come in from the sides you go in through um, those little vestibules and then you enter the room um, and then there's natural light kind of spilling across the back wall and the, that light is introduced through the exit doors and the vertical windows uh, at those back uh, sort of recesses. And all that really was intentional to, to kind of um, help create this sense of sort of shared focus and a shared experience in the classrooms. And I would add that as you move up the building, um, the the top two floors are are primarily 40 seat smaller classrooms that are meant to be really flexible and support a range of activities. And as you move up the building, there um, is more glass and more sort of transparency and connection to the outside, and and really um, with a focus on sort of the views out to the to the sea beyond and connection to the activities that are happening. 
they become less internal and more sort of outward focused, I think, as you move out the building. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, as you guys were talking about specific designs, I could picture it in my head because I just had a class there. And definitely that roundness of the rooms kind of has that aspect of softness. I also wanted to ask about the bathrooms. I don't know if it was your decision on this, but what encouraged you to make them gender neutral? That was definitely something that we felt was important uh, for the campus. And, um, you know, the world is changing, and um, but not that fast. I think when Jennifer and I were both in college, we lived in dorms and had classes in uh, in buildings that had shared facilities. And so it's not that new of a concept, but it is uh, very much where the world is going. And it was really important for us. I think at the very beginning of the design process, we outlined a series of goals. And one of the goals was to make the building as inclusive and welcoming to the entirety of the campus population um, as possible. So that comes to every aspect of the design. As much as we can make this place a place for everybody, even the bathrooms, we want to do that and need to do that. And so, you know, we also understand that for some people, it's not culturally common for them to share facilities with others, with of other genders. And so, we, you know, the design of the rooms was such that, you know, it's based on a concept that we see in restaurants, for instance, in dense cities. It's very common in, in New York, for instance, to have restroom facilities just like this, where you have toilet rooms uh, with full height doors. Uh, That was very important for this design to to ensure as much privacy as possible. Um, And then shared sinks. And so that that concept really uh, is one that we know has been proven out over time. And we also think it's, uh, it, it really creates a sense of a shared space for everybody. So yeah, well, I think I touched on every kind of aspect of the building there is. Is there anything else that you guys would like to add about your process of designing and creating this very new building on our campus? Not Nothing, nothing I, I, that I would like to add other than, you know, every building that we design has, we, we would like it to have a very, very long life, right? And this building we hope will be around in 100 years, maybe. Um, and that that life will evolve in time and it takes a while for buildings to kind of come into their own and, and sort of perform to the to the to the best uh, capacity possible. But what we've seen so far, we're, we're really excited about building and we, we feel that it really does sort of emphasize the great qualities of the environment there on, on campus and um, helps to kind of create a sense of excitement and activity um, around um, the essential learning environments of, of the campus. Yeah, and Stephen was there right after the building opened. I, I was there a couple of weeks before it opened, but it was so great to see the photographs of so many students using the space and just seeing it come to life in the way I think that we had really been imagining it for so long. So um, hopefully, <laughs> uh, we, we, I don't know, when we're excited to see how um, over the next couple of years, how the building engages the campus, the campus life and and hear more about it and continue to go back and visit it. I walked to the ILP and spoke to students about how they feel about the new building. Here is Izzy Ferenko, a first year student, and Lotus Vu, a fourth year, talking about the modern feel of the ILP compared to other buildings on campus. I think it's really cool. It's just a 
nice and modern building that we have. I don't know, it's really fun. Yeah, definitely like going from a section in a different building compared to here is a big difference, especially with like the desks and everything. It's just, I, it's just a different kind of vibe. I think it's really cool because a lot of the original buildings on campus have a certain aesthetic that I feel like other campuses don't and this campus brings like a more modern vibe now because of the ILP. Although students were excited about a new classroom building, there were some controversial thoughts on how the university spends money. Students are concerned about other issues that need vital attention. Dominic Padero, a third-year student, had some comments to say. It's a really nice building, mm -hmm. but my first thought that came to mind when it like was first revealed is why are they spending why is the school spending money on like this when I feel like we don't really need it, but like the issue that we should be like like focusing on is like housing cuz like for me, I didn't get a housing contract, so I'm still trying to figure that out. So like this kind of like annoys me a bit, but it's a cool building, I guess. <laughs> I just feel like like housing is a bigger issue that we should be focusing on right now. He wasn't the only one who felt this way. Benjamin Wolf, a fourth-year student, joined in on the conversation. You know, I, I'd really love to make a comment about that because genuinely I feel like uh, housing at UCSB is a, is a huge issue. However, I really don't have a solution right off the top of my head to, yeah. to really say that the school should have put their uh, money in, in a better investment or allocated it a little mm -hmm. bit better. But I would agree, definitely, the, the housing is a huge issue and that should be kind of top priority or at least one of the top priorities for school. Just like the architects talked about, the gender neutral bathrooms are not only special for their inclusivity, but also for their style. Both third-year students, Anna Chiang and Jalen Strong, were raving about the bathrooms. I love the bathrooms. I think yes. all of the bathrooms on campus should be like this because yes. they have really good bathroom selfie lighting. Yes. Oh, that's <laughs> so important. true. That's important. It is a bit of an adjustment to be in an all-gender bathroom. Um, yeah, I respect sure. it, but it's just an adjustment for me. Okay. But, but I, I do respect it. Yeah. Okay. I like that they have an all-gender bathroom, yeah. definitely. Okay. It was cool. just an adjustment. I was just like, whoa, at first, <laughs> but like, I like it. Students seem to enjoy the modern feel that the interactive learning pavilion brings to UCSB's campus. However, there are some lingering thoughts on the university's lack of focus on the housing crisis. With its incorporation of natural light and focus spaces, the new building serves as its own hub on campus. For KCSB News, I'm Abby Guerrero.